Hey, I want to welcome you to the Marty McLean podcast. This is episode number 20. And today I would like to speak to you about having a biblical worldview. Now, it is very, very important that we have a biblical worldview. You're going to approach life from some perspective. You're going to have some way that you process the information of this life and try to make sense of it all. And I think the best way to do that is to have a biblical worldview. Why? Because I believe God created the heavens and the earth, that he is the creator and he's the sustainer of life. He's the redeemer and he's the giver of eternal life. And so it really works best if we know how God created this earth and what he expects from us and, you know, how we need to live. You, you need to have a biblical worldview. And what I want to do, first of all, is I want to talk about the book of Ezekiel, chapter 6 and 7, because there was a time in the nation of Israel when they were divided into the northern and southern kingdom, southern kingdom being known as Judah, that they had lost their concept of a biblical worldview. Now, God had told the Jews before he allowed them to come back into the promised land under the leadership of Moses and transitioned into Joshua, and he actually leads them into the land. But God had told them, when you go back into the land, you better not act like the Canaanites. The people that I'm going to allow you to dispossess of the land do not behave as they once behaved, because I am going to get them out of the land because their, their actions are very sinful, and it is time that the land has to be cleansed. Basically, I mean, you read, you read what it says in the Old Testament. And so God allowed the Jews to come into the Promised Land after they crossed over the Jordan River, and they start to systematically conquer the Canaanites. And if you read, uh, you know, from the book of Joshua into Judges, you'll see that they eventually went astray, and God would allow an oppressor to, to come against them, and they would, re they would turn to the Lord, they would repent, and God would raise up a deliverer like a, a Gideon or a Samson to deliver them from the oppressor. Well, eventually, as you know, they went transitioned into the monarchy, and you had Saul and then David and Solomon and Rehoboam. Then the, the kingdom would split, and you'd have the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. Northern kingdom, they would be basically defeated by the Assyrians in 722 B.C., and the southern kingdom is where we're looking at in the book of Ezekiel. And the book of Ezekiel, it starts in five, around 593 B.C., and there's a seven-year window here where Ezekiel is going to be given these demonstrations of reminding the people that God's going to bring judgment. And in chapter 6 and 7, there is a reminder that God brings judgment for a reason. The, the Jews had lost their biblical worldview. They had lost looking at life through God's perspective. They had adopted the ways of, of the Canaanites, and they had, they had embraced the gods and the goddesses of idolatry. And God was letting them know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get you out of the land. Some, uh, there's already been two waves of captives that have left Israel, uh, uh, Judah, the southern kingdom, at the time of the writing of when we begin in the book of Ezekiel. And here's what, here's what the word of the Lord says through the prophet in chapter 6. He says, Son of man, set your face toward the mountains of Israel, and prophesy against them, and say, O mountains of Israel, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to the mountains of the hills, and to the ravines, and to the valleys, Indeed, I, even I, will bring a sword against you, and I will destroy your high places. Then your altars shall be desolate, your incense altars shall be broken, and I will cast down your slain men before you. 
and I will lay the corpses of the children of Israel before their idols, and I will scatter your bones all around your altar. And I don't know about you, but when I, when I think about God saying, hey, I'm going to scatter your bones around these altars, I, I think, you know, God's pretty serious about what he's saying. And, and here, here's what would happen. They were given a system of worship, the way to worship, how to worship God. They were given the Ten Commandments. They were given uh, further instruction through the law given to Moses on Sinai. God told them, this is the way I want to be worshipped. This is what you're going to do. This is how you're going to sacrifice. This is how you're going to approach me. Well, they didn't really like that as time went by, and they were really captivated by how the, the pagans worshipped, how the Canaanites worshipped. See, here, here's what would happen when you, you hear, you read in the Old Testament about the high places, about when they'd go up on the hills and worship at these high places. Exactly, you know, what went on in, in those high places? Well, you had the, the worship of the, of the Baals and the Asherahs. Uh, what would happen is that somebody would go to worship uh, the pagan deities up on, these, on the high hills. That's where they'd set up their, their shrines, their, their altars. They would bring a live animal with them. They'd have to have the meat for sacrifice, bring a little bit of money in order to, to buy some incense. They would kiss an idol, if you will, and, and worship that idol. The, the meat would be offered as a sacrifice. And then they would partake of a meal there up on the high place, up on the hill. They would, they would eat, offer incense, and then, having finished the meal, they'd go into this tent. And in that tent, they would engage in sexual activity with a cult prostitute. So basically, they had adopted a way of worship that allowed them to offer a sacrifice, and, and they, would eat, they would eat meat, they'd eat a, eat a good meal, uh, burn a little incense, and then they'd have sex with a cult prostitute, and then they'd go back home. Hey, where you been? Well, I've been worshiping. Okay. Well, that basically meant they offered a sacrifice up on the high place, and they engaged in sexual activity with a cult prostitute. This is a perversion of worship. So much was associated with sex and worship during that day, and they would get captivated. They, They would have an allurement for them, and they would be drawn toward that. And, and there'd be the Asherah poles representing Asherah, and you'd have a, a, a stone pillar that represented Baal. And it, they would worship these deities through sacrifice and sexual activity. They had, they had totally lost their biblical worldview, their biblical mindset. They were not guided by the teachings of Scripture. And they were told specifically that you need to remember the words. You need to make sure that you do not fail to teach your children when you're walking around, when you're sitting around, all throughout the day, teach your children the Word. And they were told these things. But even toward the end of the southern kingdom, there was a time where they didn't even have access to the Word because Josiah found it in the temple. It had been put aside, and they were just doing it their own way. They had lost their biblical mindset. Now, it's very important that you maintain a biblical mindset, that you know how to think biblically. And so, you know, a question would be, what exactly is a worldview? What exactly is a biblical worldview or now in the day in which we live, a Christian worldview? Well, theologian David Dockery talking about worldviews, he says a worldview is, quote, a comprehensive life system that seeks to answer the basic questions of life, unquote. Now, we know from a Christian point of view, a Christian worldview would have the Bible as the source. The Bible would be formative. The Bible would be from where you would get the meaning of life. You would see life through a biblical lens. That's how you would shape your opinion and your perception of 
what's going on in this world. It, it, you would have a biblical mindset. You would be informed by the words of Scripture. So maintaining a biblical, mind, biblical mindset or a biblical worldview is very, very important. And it's interesting how this came up during the Amy Coney Barrett nomination and uh, confirmation hearings in the Senate. Uh, here's an article by Ma Michael Faust. The name of the article is Amy Coney Barrett Criticized for Promoting Distinctly Christian Worldview at Conference. Here's what the article says. Conservatives are defending Supreme Court nominee Amy Coney Barrett after a Washington Post article implied her speaking at a Christian conference could be disqualifying. The article noted that Barrett has spoken several times at the Blackstone Legal Fellowship, a summer program established to inspire a distinctly Christian worldview in every area of law, according to the story. It was founded to show students how God can use them as judges, law professors, and practicing attorneys to help keep the door open for the spread of the gospel in America. That's unquote. So she's under, you know, fire. She's under pressure because she actually has spoken at a conference that promotes a Christian worldview. And also from this article, the writer Michael Faust, he also quotes uh, U.S. Senator Josh Howley from Missouri. Now, let me tell you something. This Howley guy, he is somebody needed to keep your eye on. He is uh, presidential material. So I think he's got an incredible future. But here's what he says about uh, the, the link to the post store. He says, quote, imagine a Christian lawyer talking to Christian law students about what it means to follow Christ in their profession. The left's quest to bring back the religious test continues, unquote. So, you know, what do you expect? I mean, somebody who's a Christian, they're going to talk to other Christians who's going in law trying to encourage them to maintain a, a Christian worldview, a, a biblical mindset, a biblical worldview, a Christian worldview. It, you know, it is very, very important that you do that. And you know what? I don't think that the church has done a good job in recent years, myself included, teaching on a biblical worldview. And there is a study that has just come out from George Barna and the Cultural Research Center at Arizona Christian University. And they found out that the number of Americans who hold to a biblical worldview has greatly decreased. As a matter of fact, they have discovered that only 6% of Americans adhere to a biblical worldview. That's only 6%. 6%, S-I-X, 6% of Americans adhere to a biblical worldview. And the generation that has the least biblical worldview would be the millennial generation they are only at 2%. So only 2% of millennials have a biblical worldview. But get a load of this. 61% of American millennials consider themselves to be Christian. So 61% of millennials consider themselves to be Christian, but only 2% of millennials have what you would call a biblical worldview. Now, that, that's a problem. That, that, that is an issue. We have, you know, people who are wanting to be Christians, but they do not have a Christian worldview, a biblical worldview. Now, it's not just the millennials. Here's, here are the other groups. Here's what the article says. Only an estimated 9% of adults in both the elder generation, which is 75 years of age and older, and the boomer generation, ages 56 to 74 years of age, hold a biblical worldview. So those who are 30, uh, 56 to 74 and 75 years of age and older, only 9% of those hold a biblical worldview. Among Gen Xers, ages 37 to 55 years of age, 
the percentage of subscribers to a biblical worldview drops to 5%. So you can see the younger you are, the less of a biblical worldview you have. And so that means the direction of our country is going steadily away from a biblical worldview. And I think a part of what's happened is that we as churches, myself included, I mean, you know, I'm part of the problem. We have not done a good job teaching biblical worldview. Uh, what, what is a biblical worldview? How should it affect the way I live my life? How does the Bible apply to life in general? Not just how can you have a great marriage or how can you have a great time at work or how can you have your best life now or whatever. You know, what is a biblical worldview? What does it mean to have a biblical worldview? That's something that we need to start teaching more and more and more. Now, probably right now you're thinking, okay, Marty, what was it that the Barna Group or the Arizona Christian University, what, what did they use to define a biblical worldview? Well, here's how you can summarize it. Quote, believing that absolute moral truths exist and that such truth is defined by the Bible as well as firm belief in six specific religious views. Those views are that Jesus Christ lived a sinless life. God is the all-powerful and all-knowing creator of the universe, and he still rules it today. Salvation is a gift from God and cannot be earned. Satan is real. A Christian has a responsibility to share their faith in Christ with other people. And the Bible is accurate in all of its teachings, unquote. Now, to know that such a small percentage of Americans have a biblical worldview is alarming. That's why sometimes we think, you know, why do people think the way they think? Well, because it's the worldview that they possess. We, we have to be teaching a biblical, a Christian worldview. Now, that's going to run counter to our culture, and we, I know we have a lot of churches out there that they don't want to do anything controversial, anything that can be taken in the wrong way, or anything that is not viewed as positive or uplifting. They're just going to shy away from it. It's just going to be a big pep rally. You're going to have the you know incredible worship music, which I'm all for, but then you have to combine really strong biblical teaching that will address issues that people may not want to address, that will address issues that people are dealing with. See, that's the problem I, I have with some... I'm gonna, I know I'm, I'm, I'm like a broken record sometimes, but that's just that this is the Marty McLean podcast, and I'm going to be a broken record sometimes. But here, when, when churches fail to address the cultural issues of our day, say, for instance, like I've said before, the issue of same-sex marriage, homosexuality, all that kind of stuff, sexual sins, when churches do not address that, you have people in your congregation that are struggling with same-sex attraction. And, and here's what happens. All of a sudden they have a thought. Oh, man, I have a thought. I must, I must be a homosexual. I just had, I just had a thought. Now, that's, that is a fiery dart from the evil one. Your temptation does not define who you are. You're to take every thought thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And what you need to know is, you know, hey, God didn't make me that way because here's what the Bible says. The Bible says that that is sin, that that is wrong. Therefore, that's a thought that's foreign to who I am, and I'll just get rid of it. Or say somebody is is in a marriage, and they have a lustful thought about somebody and think, well, I must not love my spouse. I must love that other person because I just had a thought about them. And all of a sudden they think, well, that must be my true soulmate in life. That, that is crazy stuff. 
Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man put asunder. The Bible says if you look upon a woman with lust in your heart, you commit adultery. Therefore, you get that lust out of your heart. You can have wrong thoughts. You can have sinful thoughts. And what we need to do is we need to address these issues so that people will have some type of grid by which to live their life. And if churches refuse to address these areas, well, I'm, you're going to have GQ Magazine will address them. CNN's going to address them. The Internet, Twitter, is going to address them. So you're going to have all this information come from one source and it's not a biblical source then you're going to have some trouble. See, now, let me go back to this survey that they did. Here's another part of this CRC survey. It also found that 42%, I'm quoting from an article here, 42% of professing Christians, quote, seek moral guidance primarily from sources other than the Bible, unquote, while 43% do not believe that God has a purpose for humanity in devoting one's life to Him. So you have 42% of professing Christians, they seek guidance primarily from sources other than the Bible. Boy, we have, we have not emphasized enough how important it is to be in the Word on a daily basis. We have not emphasized enough how important it is to filter your, your life through your walk with Christ and be instructed by the Word of God and be empowered by the Holy Spirit of God. Man, it's a wonderful, wonderful life when you combine the Word of God and the Spirit of God and, and, and you seek to live life in that fashion. Well, here's what George Barna, at the conclusion of everything, here's what he says about the research that he found. He said, quote, These profiles are profoundly disturbing. The significantly divergent worldview perspectives and applications of the four generations especially how different the millennials are from their predecessors, suggest a nation that is at war with itself to adopt new values, lifestyles, and a new identity. In other words, there is a war for worldview dominance. But as the scripture reminds us, a nation at war with itself cannot persist, unquote. So there is a war about worldviews. Why in the world are we Christians not just at every opportunity promoting a biblical worldview? Why is it that we at times are shy or reticent or some would even be embarrassed to say, well, you know, here's what the Bible says. Hey, here's the biblical worldview. Biblical worldview is good. It is very good. God's the creator of life. He's the sustainer of life. He's the giver of eternal life. Therefore, if we can connect into what he says and how he gives instructions to live life and what life is all about, and also the preparation for the life yet to come, that is good stuff. And so we need to be committed to teaching and promoting a biblical worldview. That is why we are in some of the mess that we're in right now. That's why some people, even when it comes to, say, say your hot-button issues, uh, even like, say, abortion. Uh, here, here's what this, this survey also found out. It said, when it comes to much-debated topics of abortion, the, the, the research found that 44% of believers believe that a, the Bible is ambiguous in its teaching about abortion. And 34% affirm that abortion is morally acceptable if it spares the mother from financial or emotional discomfort or hardship. 
I think we've had a lack of discipleship. And, you know, like I, I'm, I'm part of the problem. We've had a lack of discipleship. We have had a lack of teaching people. Jesus said, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he, and he said, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. In other words, teach them how to obey. You know, it's like what it says about Scripture in, in, in one of the epistles written to Timothy. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction, in righteousness, that the, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. In other words, the Bible helps you know what to believe and how to behave. And, and why in the world we're not teaching the Bible more? We need to be teaching more. People need to be under the ministry of the Word more. And I know that, man, in the 80s and 90s, we probably over-programmed some things, and then there was a reaction to that, and so now people only get stuff one time a week, and then they've got all this other influence coming in their life through the Internet, through television, through whatever else media is out there. And I just wonder if people aren't getting enough of the Word and instruction in their life anymore. Well, you know, there's something... Something's happened, and we're just not discipling believers like we used to disciple them. And it's showing up. They don't have the worldview. They, they are being driven more by culture uh, than they are by Scripture. Let me just go back to that re research that was done by George Barna. Here is a couple of statements that he makes, and I think we do very, very well to pay heed to them. He says, quote, the irony of the reshaping of the spiritual landscape in America is that it represents a post-Christian reformation driven by people seeking to retain a Christian identity. Unfortunately, the theology of this reformation is being driven by American culture rather than biblical truth. So I think what we can see from some of this research is that there are those who want to maintain the Christian name, maybe, or the banner, or maybe the Christian label, but not the Christian theology. And, and you know, that's, that's one of the things that I think is so... I've mentioned this before, and I want you to hear this again. I think that's one of the things that you have to be so aware of when it comes to the Christian worship. Like I said, it's very emotive, which is great. I love it. I, I love the worship songs. But you, what, it, what it does is it creates an environment where people are stirred emotionally, and if it's not if it's not coupled with strong preaching of the word of the Bible, then you're going to have people stirred spiritually in a, within a quote Christian context, and they're not going to be challenged with truth, and they're going to be people that are going to have a a distorted concept of what it is to follow Christ. Yeah, I had this emotional experience, or, or, or I was in this environment, and then I, I left feeling good about myself. Well, were you confronted? Was there any conviction? What truth did you receive? And so all I'm saying is this, man. When you can when you combine when you can combine an incredible emotive worship experience with just incredibly sound biblical teaching that does not apologize, that does not uh, go around anything, that just says, "Hey, here's what the Bible says. Here's the truth from the Scripture." We we need to take this and apply this to our lives. And and there's conviction of the Holy Spirit. And, and we change according to the Word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. That's, that's, where it's, that's, that's what we need. That's how people are changed. That's how people 
you know, have this experience and, and their lives are transformed. And so I, I want to encourage you, if you're in a church and that, and that church is not preaching the truth, that is, it's, you know, just a recycling of things every six months and you're going to feel good about it. There's just going to, you know, it's just, and it's not just, it's not just, here's what the Bible says. Just evaluate that because your kids coming up, if kids are not taught the truth, they're going to be taught by culture and they're going to be within a Christian context. And there's just going to be a misunderstanding of what it is to be a Christian, how that is to impact and define your life. So, Man, I, I love worship, but let's get into the Word. You need the Word of God. You need Scripture. You need, you need to take the Bible, apply the Bible to your life. You, you need to, to have a biblical world view. And I tell you what, that will change everything. See, Jesus said, those who worship me must worship, you know, worship God, must worship in spirit and in truth. So, so you want to have that, that emotive, that spirit. The spiritual connection, and also you want to have the truth. You want to have the truth. You want to have the word. And so, if you're not getting any word where you're at, I want to encourage you. You need to get. You need to get the word. Don't don't go somewhere where somebody's just gonna just. It's gonna be a pep rally. Uh, go somewhere where somebody else just say, "Hey, man, here's what the Bible says." I may not like it, and man, this stuff it hits me between the eyes too, because I've got to change. But but here's what the Bible says, and go from there. We need the Word. We need to apply Scripture to our lives. So I want to ask you, when's the last time you got into the Word? When's the last time you read your Bible? When, when's the last time that, that you listen to somebody preach Scripture? Now, that's why I like to preach sometimes through books of the Bible, because there are certain topics I don't want to cover, but boom, there it is. I've got to preach on this topic. And I know it's going to make some people uncomfortable. Matter of fact, it may make me uncomfortable as I prepare for it. But man, it's what I need. And it's what people need. And it helps form the way I think about life and my approach to life. And it's very, very important. So I want to encourage you, get in the Word. Live the Word. Have your, your thinking to be transformed. Once again, we've mentioned this before in previous podcasts. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You want to know what God's word, uh, will is? Have your mind transformed through the Word. That's where it starts. So make sure you are in a church that preaches the Word. And when I say preach the Word, you know, you're in a church where they will preach the whole counsel of God, that you're going you're gonna to hear about cultural issues. You're going to hear about hard topics. It's not just going to be surface level stuff because I think sometimes churches want to use the worship service as the front door of entry to the church and they don't want anything to be too over the top or too convicting in some ways. But hey, we need that. We need that time of preaching to be where everything's talked about. That if it's in the Bible, if it's going to be something that's going to make uh, people uncomfortable, it's just going to have to make people uncomfortable. And if you're not in church where the whole council is preached, where they're going to talk about social issues, they're going to talk about tough issues that are in the Bible that need to be addressed, then I would just recommend, hey, for the sake of your kids, uh, for the sake of your own walk, uh, try to find a church where they're going to preach what the Bible says, and it's going to be whatever topics there, they're going to preach on it, that there's nothing that's off limits if the Bible talks about it. 
and we're, we're going we're gonna to preach it because we need the whole counsel of God. Go back to Acts where Paul said, hey, I'm, I'm innocent of all men's blood because I've not failed to, you, to preach to you the whole counsel of God. We've mentioned that in the earlier podcast. That's very, very important. So be in a church where the whole counsel is preached, where if it's in the Bible, hey, that pastor is going to preach about it. He's not going to skip it. We're going to go right through this thing, and I may, you know, it may convict me. I may not really like it, but if it's truth, I've got to deal with it, and that's on me. Okay, well, once again, thank you for being with me on the Marty McLean podcast. I know we have a lot coming up in the next couple of weeks. We have an election here in the United States, and I want you to be much in prayer about that. But uh, I hope you have a great week, and I look forward to seeing you next time on the Marty McLean podcast. <music>